Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more info, you can check us out on Facebook at Life Church of Columbia. Uh, uh, today, I really don't know if I want to preach or prophesy, uh, but I, I'm usually not that bold. But I've been praying for that. Um, it, the story's kind of long, but I I started in May crying out to God, and I may share some of it tonight. Um, the Bible says that on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place and one accord. And of course, you know, they poured out, uh, the Holy Ghost was poured out on the church. And Jesus, uh, Peter walked out on a balcony because people were saying, man, these people are drunk. We don't know what's going on. But Peter stepped out and began to preach. And he said, this is that that Joel prophesied about. I was in a hotel room in Houston at the 1st of June, uh, waiting on a flight to go to California. And in a deep state of prayer, God reminded me of the scripture, this is that, spoken by the prophet Joel. And right after that, he spoke something that rocked my world and said, this ain't that. So when he said that, I went to seeking that, which is the kingdom of God. And he's had me on that journey, and he's had me cancel. I told you last week I've canceled a lot of my dates because God told me to stay home, which actually uh, I won't leave but ever six weeks probably at the most, uh, which I do have one coming up next week, but it'll be six weeks in between because the rest of this year uh, God has showed me that Life Church is at a strategic inflection point. Uh, and you're either going to get it or you're going to miss it. But I am focused on Life Church, and I'm going to give you instruction today and tonight for you to step into a greater degree of your destiny. Uh, I prophesied in December of last year that 2022, and I got so many notes on all of that, uh, we may take time one day to sit down and reshare them. He told me that 2022 would be a strategic inflection point. Little did I know it would be for the whole United States of America because we're seeing some things turn upside down right now. Uh, but it's definitely for the body of Christ. Usually I preach on an apostolic platform, meaning uh, a platform that's really speaking to multiple churches. Uh, I'm trying to pull that back in and not even think about other churches and think about life church. So I'm trying to stir you up to realize I didn't come today with another sermon. I come to let you know we are at an inflection point. You may be saying, well, what is an inflection point? Good to see my family back there. That's my, y'all wave at us. See them waving? That's my family back there. Um, so you're not here by no accident either. Uh, God's going to take you to greater dimensions. But an inflection point, uh, the world is constantly going through inflection points. Uh, uh, technology is constantly going through inflection points. And an inflection point uh, is actually just uh, everything runs in cycles. Your body runs in cycles. The earth runs in cycles. Your business runs in cycles. Everything runs in cycles. Amen. And God leaves you in that cycle long enough to master that cycle. Amen. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. And if you don't master the cycle, you never get to go to the next dimension. So it's important to master uh, the, the realm or the era that you're in right now. Uh, spiritually, physically, financially. Uh, he said, I'm going to give you the land little by little, lest, lest the animals come in and take over. In other words, I can't give you more than you've mastered. If you haven't mastered it, you can't afford more property. Some of you can't handle more money because you haven't mastered the money you have. Are you okay? Some of us can't afford more spiritual, or not afford, we can't handle more spirituality because we haven't mastered what we have now. Well, God spoke to me and said that we're in an inflection point. And as far as technology, uh, what iPhone are we on now? Eight? Oh, come on. I got a seven in my pocket, y'all. <laughs> Branson, what are you laughing at? Really? We're at 13? Well, uh, and, and technology's just going crazy. So, uh, matter of fact, I remember my first vacation I videoed, and I carried my camera on my shoulder. Y'all remember that? Uh, 
So what happens is, as, as the world is, is moving from one dimension to another, a new level of technology, information, will come. And when it comes, that company, that's an inflection point, and they have to embrace the new level of revelation to take their company to the next level. Any iPhone that does not embrace new technology becomes obsolete, right? Uh, my first computer had a screen this big, and you picked it up and you carried it around. You know what I'm saying? But as technology comes, it gives you the opportunity to go to the next level. Well, the church is going through a divine inflection point. You're about to receive revelation that's going to allow you to move from the dimension you're in now to a greater dimension in God. Are you ready to go there? Are you ready to go there? And this is a very important weekend. Uh, it's a weekend that will begin with a transition into your predetermined destiny. And that's individually and corporately. So the Lord told me to stand before you and boldly declare this is an inflection point for Life Church corporately and for you individually. The question is, are you going to embrace it? So today we're going to extract some things out of Joshua, the book of Joshua. And I'm going to show you how you're going to move in and take some territory you have not been able to take in your past. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to show you today how to take revelation. Your faith is about to go to another dimension. 1 Corinthians 3.18, you ought to write that down. The Bible says, as we behold as in a mirror Jesus Christ, we are transformed into the same image from glory to glory. And it is time for the body of Christ to move to another dimension of glory. When God gets ready to move, there will usually be a natural phenomenon that shocks the world we live in uh, as proof of what he's doing in the spirit. Well, we've seen two phenomenons in a short period of time. One was the overturning of Roe versus Wade on Friday. On Monday, uh, 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 a coach, Kennedy, Joseph Kennedy, uh, got prayer back into our school on, on a certain level. And so God is saying there's a, there's a transformation going on. There's a turning going on, and you can see it, in, and it's got our world in an uproar, and I know everybody's got different views on that. That's beside the point. The point is, God said, I'm turning things over, and I need you to recognize it and embrace it for you. Uh, and so we're just dealing, we're just dealing, can I just, I just want to prophesy, can I do it today? We're just dealing with your faith in God. I started off five weeks ago saying, whatever you do, hold on to your faith. Has anybody's faith been under attack? Oh, you can just be honest. Situations and circumstances has taxed your faith, am I right about it? To the degree, amen, of questioning God, questioning is he a good God? Is God for me or against me? And so God is bringing faith to the point to where it can, it can make this inflection to go to another direction. Amen. And for you that have trouble believing, there is no scientific or historical reason for you not to believe in God. God is so great and so awesome. God said in Isaiah 50, uh, 46, I think it is, he said, I am God and there is none like me. He said, I am the only God who tells the end of a thing from the beginning. Think about that. He said, y'all have all, he, he said, all y'all have those, all these false gods that you're bowing down and worshiping and saying this and that. But the thing that sets me apart is I am the only entity that knows the end of a thing from its beginning. So if you ever start struggling with your faith, all you got to do is Google. You thought I was going to say go to the Word, didn't you? The Old Testament is the part of the Bible that was written 
before Christ. And it was sealed 450 years before Jesus was born. Just listen to me. I just want to help you be a believer. It was sealed 450 years before Jesus was ever born. Well, all through the Old Testament, multiple authors prophesied about Jesus. From 450 years to 3,000 years, if you will, before Christ, multiple authors prophesied about the coming of a Messiah. The New Testament contains over 300 prophecies fulfilled by Jesus Christ alone. Somebody say 300. Not three, not four, not five. 300 prophecies that were fulfilled to the letter. Historically proven. Now, I'm telling you, we could just work this in a natural college class without any spirituality whatsoever, and we're just going on historical facts. Archaeologists have proved, scientists have proved, and history have proved, amen, and of course our Bible, which is one of the most historically accurate books on the planet, records 300 prophecies fulfilled just by Jesus alone. Amen. Well, mathematicians say men that are way smarter than me, Math, uh, and we're going to speak mathematically now before I begin to prophesy, the odds of anyone fulfilling this amount of prophecy are mathematically impossible. It's not possible. It cannot be coincident. It has to be that there is a creator who decided the end of a thing from the beginning and said, my counsel will stand. No matter how crazy the world gets, my counsel is going to stand. So mathematicians say that this is so improbable of one person. Are y'all still with me? I don't mean to bore you, but I'm just going to talk today. One person fulfilling eight prophecies. Not 300, mathematically speaking. One person fulfilling eight. Eight prophecies would be one chance in quadrillion. That's one with 17 zeros. That's eight. The chances of it mathematically. Are y'all listening to me? And so they say through their equations, the chance of one man fulfilling 48 prophecies would be one to the 157th power. Now, there's not a number for that, but it's one with 157 zeros. That's 48 prophecies. Jesus fulfilled 300. It's no one can fulfill that many prophecies but the Son of God and it establishes the fact that there is a God that is historically proven to be God and there is none other like him. Somebody shout, I believe. It takes more work not to believe than to believe. Oh, I'm just going to help somebody just a little while today. In other words, you have to really work with the lies of the enemy to not believe in a God who said, I am the only Entity that can speak the end of a thing from the beginning. Somebody shout, I believe. I believe. 300 prophecies fulfilled in magnificent detail of exactly the sufferings of Christ, how he would die, when he would come, where he would be born, how long he'd be in the grave, his resurrection. I'm talking about your God today. Amen. So I want us to go to the book of Joshua. And what I need you to understand about Joshua was, Joshua was an Old Testament type of Jesus. Matter of fact, I mean the parallels are unbelievable. And today we're going to find the grace of God in the Old Testament. For by grace are you saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. And God is laying a foundation for you and I to usher in the kingdom of God on your faith. Are you ready to go there? I'm so excited about this today. 
But I need you to understand, and I'm going to show you the parallel, that Joshua in the Old Testament was a type of Jesus in the New Testament from so many ways. And a matter of fact, Joshua's name was Hosea, which actually means deliverer and protector. But Moses was the spiritual father. And Moses changed his name from Hosea to Yeshua, to Joshua, which means Yahweh saves. Are y'all with me? He saved him. He changed his name from deliverer to savior. His spiritual father changed his identity. Amen. The Bible says God gave Jesus a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus. Moses gave Joshua a name. Amen. That was the name Savior more than Deliverer. Are you with me so far? Amen. Moses was a type of the law and Joshua was a type of the dispensation of grace. Just stay with me. I'm going to lay a foundation. Are you with me? Are you with me? Joshua was endorsed at the Jordan River. It was at the Jordan River Moses had died. And the Bible says that God put the favor of Moses on Joshua and said, This day, as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Well, Jesus was endorsed at the Jordan River. It was at the Jordan River where God spoke from heaven and said, This is my beloved son in whom I well plead. So Moses represented a dispensation of law that everything comes by works. Why are you talking about all this? Because Life Church, you're about to move your faith from works to grace. And that grace is going to produce so many more works than you ever even imagined. Amen. But what God's about to do, I'm prophesying now, amen, He will not share that glory with nobody. So what God's about to do, get ready, Life Church, what God's about to do, nobody's going to be able to stand back and say, well, I did this, and I did that, and I got this right, I got this out, and I've done all this, and because of that, God moved. No, God only comes on faith. Faith and nothing else, okay? So Moses represents the dispensation of the law. Joshua comes in and represents a dispensation of grace. Why? Because the law kept them in the wilderness and could not take them into their destiny. Grace took them in to their destiny. It's hard to preach on grace because of a a distorted message of grace that is out there. So there is a new level of revelation about to come to you. Are you ready to receive it? You're going to have to receive it to go in. All right, we're going to start in the book of Joshua, chapter number 1, verse number 3. I hope I've given my scriptures to the sound man. If not, we'll struggle alone. Okay, Moses is dead. They're about to go into the promised land. Joshua is about to begin to divide the inheritance. I come to tell you, A Joshua generation is rising up to start dividing the inheritance. We have fought and we have fought and we have fought, but we can't continue fighting without receiving our inheritance. (laughs) It's so quiet in here today, but I got to work it. I'm telling you, Dina, you're about to receive your inheritance. Chunk. You're about to receive your inheritance. Mike, you're about to receive your inheritance. It's about to be divided. The spoils are about to be divided to the church. But you can only receive them by faith. Today we're going to define faith. Every place that the soul Of your foot shall tread. Let's all read it in concert. That have I given unto you. Did you catch it? You're finna go take some stuff that really already belongs to you. Okay, we're shifting faith now from I got to do this and I got to do that to, take, to possess that. And this scripture is saying you already own it, you just have to believe it. 
Faith is the hardest thing you'll ever do because I'd rather draw a sword and go to battle. It's more in us to work, 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 work to get a thing. Amen. And God is telling Joshua, said, okay, now go get what belongs to you because I have already given it to you. Okay, let's go to Joshua chapter number 10. While you're thumbing there in your Bible, I want you to tell your neighbor you already own it. It changes everything when you worship knowing you already own it. It changes everything when you pray knowing it's already yours. Matter of fact, your Bible says in the book of Mark, amen, when you pray, believe that you have received it and you shall have it. How would that change your prayer if you went into praying about something you believed was already yours? It would go from begging and pleading and striving to get a thing to praising God for what already am I. Now, I ain't got time to break down the whole book of Joshua, but the first conquest was when Joshua took down Jericho, right? And what did he tell him to do? March around the city seven days, one time, seventh day, march around seventh time. And then on the seventh time, on the seventh day, he said, shout because God has given you the city. Not, are you following me? Not shout because he's going to give it to you, but go ahead and rejoice because he's already given it to you. Are y'all following me this morning? So in Joshua chapter number 10, I want you to look what's happening. Joshua is moving through the land, taking territory. That's what the kingdom does. It's taking territory. It's taking what belongs to, uh, what God has given it. And because the whole territory is terrified of Joshua, five kings, five kings come together to fight Joshua. One king knows he can't handle it. Kings that hated each other become allies because of Joshua. Five kings brought their armies together and said, we got to do whatever we have to do. we got to stop Joshua. we got to stop the children of Israel. And verse number 8 the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid of them because what? I have done what? I have done what? God speaks the end of a thing from the beginning and faith believes what God said. They ain't drew the sword one time. They ain't entered into the first battle. Amen. So God says, look, they're going to look like the sands of the sea. There's going to be millions of them allied to come take you out. But Joshua, don't be afraid of them because not I'm going to help you win this battle, but I've already given them into your hand. Joshua went into battle knowing I win. It'll change the way you fight when you know you win. When you know the end of the story, he said, I have given them into your hand. Not one of them is going to stand before you. Come on, this is an inflection point. Drop down to verse number 16. Josh is out there. <laughs> Amen. He's out there kicking tail. He's out there destroying. I mean, he's taking names, as my daughter says. I ain't going to say it like she says it. but uh, and, and they're just destroying everything in front of them. Or you see, they're still moving, and they're still putting their foot on things, but they're only putting their foot on what belongs to them. It's so much more energy in fighting for a thing when you have the title deed in your hand. Instead of you're trying to get ownership of a thing. Verse number 16 says, they are destroying the armies. So the Bible says, these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Makeda. And it was told Joshua saying, the five kings are found hid in a cave. And Joshua said, well, just roll stones upon the mouth of the cave and set men by it for to keep them. But stay not there, but pursue after your enemies, smite the hindmost of them, suffer not to enter into their cities, for the Lord, 
Somebody read it with me again. For the Lord your God. Are you seeing the shift yet? Because God's done delivered them into your hand. And it came to pass when Joshua and the children of Israel made an end of slaying them with a very great slaughter till they were consumed that the rest which remained of them entered into the fenced cities. And all the people turned to the camp to Joshua at Makeda in peace and none moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. <laughs> then said Joshua, open the cave. And bring out those five kings to me. Yeshua said, bring those kings out of the cave to me. And they did so and brought forth those five kings unto him out of the cave. It was the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermoth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass, are y'all still with me? And it came to pass when they brought out those kings to Joshua that Joshua called for all the men of Israel. And look at this, y'all. Look at this. And said to the captains of the men of war which with him, Come near and put. What's my title? Does anybody remember my title? Faith, God's ally. Now, I want to do a sermon on singing and worship, but your song is not God's ally because you can sing the song and not have faith. Your worship is not your ally because you can worship and not have faith. Your dance is not God's ally because you can dance and go home defeated. Oh, I wish somebody say amen on this right here. Amen. Amen. There ain't but one thing that God allies with on earth, and it's your faith. It ain't your feelings that God allies with. It's your faith. It came to pass. He said, come, and Joshua said, now I need y'all to ally with me to defeat your enemy. Come near, put your foot upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their foot on the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed, but be strong and of good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And look at the next scripture. And afterward... Yeshua smote them. Joshua smote them and slew them and hung them on five trees and they were hanging upon the trees until the evening. That's the Old Testament Yeshua, Yeshua the son of Nun. Let me show you the New Testament Yeshua, Yeshua the son of God. Look at Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to. We're back in the same story in the New Testament. Yeshua, the son of Nun in the Old Testament, is saying, I'm giving you the power to put your foot on the necks of kings I've conquered. And now we have Yeshua, the New Testament, the son of God, saying, Behold, I give you Power, power is exousia, and it actually means ability, privilege, the right, the capacity, the force, the competency. I give you the capacity to what? Tread on serpents. To tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I thought it was interesting that the word, of, the word serpent, I give you ability, I give you capacity, I give you the competency, amen. Somebody say it's by grace. You don't have the power to tread on the devil. You don't have the strength to put your foot on, the de on, on your adversary. 
You don't have the ability within yourself. I don't care how much you pray, how much you study, how much you fast. Amen. You don't have the capacity to conquer your enemy. So Jesus said, behold, I give you the capacity to tread on serpents and scorpions. And, 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 and I've always overlooked it, but for some reason the Holy Spirit pulled me in deeper. And I found out that the word serpents actually comes from the root word optomia. And it's where we get our word optics. Amen. Optics has, isn't that strange? Optics has to do uh, with how you see things. I give you power to tread on serpents, optomia. Amen. I give you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Scorpions comes from the word, catch every bit of this now, support for where we're going. Amen. It comes from the word scorpios. And it actually means to pierce, like the string of a scorpion. It means to pierce. But it comes from the word scopus, which is where we get our word skeptic. <laughs> I'm going somewhere. So in reality, what Jesus is trying to say in the next scripture, he calls them spirits. But don't rejoice because the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice because your names are written in the book of life. Oh, I hope you can follow this teaching this morning. So in accents, when Jesus said, I give you power, capacity to tread on serpents and scorpions, he was literally saying, I give you the power because serpents and scorpions are spirits that pierce your mind with doubt and skepticism because of a twisted view of things. Is that too much? When he said, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, he was saying, I'm giving you the capacity, amen, to overcome and destroy the doubt and the skepticism that God, that the enemy has put in your mind by the way you see things. I give you power to tread on Matter of fact, I got to show y'all this. The word tread, the word tread is the same word as string a bow. Now, how does the word tread have anything to do with stringing a bow? Because, of course, this is not a bow that they would fight with, but they didn't string their bows till they got time to fight. Right? So to string the bow, which is tread, actually means to put your foot on. So this is an instrument of conquest. So when he said, I give you the power to tread, he's literally saying, I give you the power to conquer ideologies that has made you skeptical about your God. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Somebody say inflection point. And it's not that some of us don't believe in God. I'm just not sure I believe he'll heal me. It's not that I don't believe God is good. Amen. But the scorpion has stung me so many times that it's caused me to question the goodness of God. I was reading about, are y'all still with me this morning? I was reading about a missionary by the name of Alan Thomas. Thompson was his name. He was a theologian. He was a, a, a professor, one of the smartest men in the world. And he was over there doing missionary work, and he was in an area where scorpions were horrific. And they had to check their shoes. They had to check their beds. And they had to check. You didn't put anything on because of these little black scorpions would sting you. And it was a constant battle. And he was constantly fighting. The, well, finally the natives said, we can show you how to kill the scorpions. They said, all you got to do is take the scorpion, put a glass over it, and bring your candle and put light on the scorpion. And when under extreme light, the, the scorpion will turn on himself and begin to sting himself in the head until he is dead. 
What is the moral of this story? The only thing that destroys the enemy of your mind is exposing it to extreme light. Come on, somebody. Amen. Because he uses doubt and discouragement in every lie in the world when science proved that it's one in one quadrillion of a chance that eight prophecies would be fulfilled. We have no reason not to believe in God. Amen. So as you expose truth to the adversary of your mind, he destroys himself. Matter of fact, Romans... Chapter number 16, verse number 20 says, And the God of peace shall do what? The God of peace shall bruise Satan where? Under whose feet? Somebody help me right now. Amen. I, I, I thought you said it's not by our works. It's not by your works. But faith says, amen, my enemy is destroyed. Amen. Faith says the kingdom belongs to us and we're about to step into it. All God needs is the ally of your faith to put your foot on what he's already conquered. God said if you'll partner with me and begin to put your foot on some things, I'm going to crush them. Why? Because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be with you. So here we have Joshua. And five kings and millions of warriors are coming against him. And God says, I've already given it to you. Do not be afraid of them. He said, by faith, you're going to conquer these guys. Amen. So the, the, it begs the question, Jennifer, what is faith? The Bible says in 1 John, whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is that which overcomes the world. Even our faith. I can't overcome the world in any other way. I can't overcome the lies in any other way. I can't come over, overcome sickness or depravity in my mind any other way than faith. And faith says he is God and there is none other like him. Faith says he's already paid the price. Amen. It's, it's not by my works. It's by grace that we're saved. And the same grace that saves us is the same grace that's going to deliver us. It's the same grace. Am I making sense to anybody? It's an inflection point to where it transitioned in your faith to thinking you have to do something instead of so believing he's already done it, it's got you going on the battlefield. My God, the Bible says... In Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. In other words, there's no re religious, ritualistic thing I can go through that, will, that amounts to anything. In Christ Jesus, none of it matters. All that matters is faith. It's faith. He said in 2 Chronicles, believe the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and you will prosper. Hebrews chapter number 11, it says, by faith, Noah being warned of God, went to work and built an ark. By faith, he just believed. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. How'd they do it? By faith. Well, what is this thing called faith? It's the absolute confidence that God has already got it. I think this is so simple, it's profound. I think it's too simple for our minds to grasp. By faith, the Bible says, they pulled down the walls of Jericho as they begin to march. It wasn't their marching that pulled the walls down, it was their faith. It was their faith. The Bible says, through faith they conquered kingdoms. Through faith they established justice. Through faith they stopped the mouths of lions. Through faith women had their dead raised again. Through faith they quenched the violence of fire. Through faith. Somebody shout faith. What is faith? Faith is complete trust and confidence that he has God. He is God and it's already done. And I so believe it, it's got me walking it out. This thing called faith. What is faith? What is this thing called faith? Well, according to Hebrews, faith is the substance of the things I'm hoping for that I can't see yet. It's the title deed. Right? It's the proof I own it. 
and I so believe I own it, it affects my worship now. My faith affects my praise. My faith affects my conversation. What I believe, not what I feel. What I believe is so affecting everything around me that my faith is changing my circumstance. Faith. Faith. Nothing gives honor to God like faith. All your works don't bring honor to God. Only faith honors God. Faith said they trust me. They, they believe in me. Mark 11 says, what's everything you ask in prayer? Believe you've already received it and you shall have it. Somebody say inflection point. You have perfected this cycle and now God is moving you to another cycle. We want to work things out and God said you just have to believe it. And because you believe it, you'll start putting your foot on it. What's that even mean, Pastor? What's that even mean? Well, let's let Joshua teach us. Can y'all stay with me a few more minutes? Let's let Joshua teach us. Joshua, do not be afraid. I've already given them to you. Well, if you look at he said, whatever you do, don't count the horses. You know what a destroyed faith is when you start analyzing your situation over what God said. Come on, somebody on this side. He said, don't count the horses. Whatever you do, if you start analyzing your situation, you start magnifying your problem, and your problem gets bigger than your God. He said, don't, don't do it, Joshua. It, it takes correct courage to have faith. It takes strength to have faith. We, we want to be like Naaman. Give me an army to fight. Give me something to fight, and I'd feel better about it. He said, no, you ain't fighting nothing. You just go dip. Just go dip seven times in the water and you'll be ill. Because that's just believing God. So he said, Joshua, don't be afraid. I've already given it to you. So they go to fighting. The kings are in the cave. And Joshua says, okay. You've destroyed all the little minions. He said, now I want you to bring the kings out. When I begin to study this text, Pete, God told me to prophesy to somebody that you've been in a battle a long time and you've been destroying minions. You've just been the little subservient things. But the kings that rule the minions have not been conquered yet. The root of the problem that you have conquered but still battling with has not been destroyed yet. Oh, this is going to be a big day for somebody. Amen. You may have conquered habits and feelings and emotions or at least you may be holding them or mindsets in their place. But there's still a root there because the king of that minion is in a cave somewhere. And he's just being held up. Somebody help me right now. He's just being held up. But there's a transition coming where Yeshua is saying, okay, bring out the kings. Oh, I'm going to, I told y'all I'm helping myself in this series of preaching. Now bring out the kings. You've been out there fighting all these little demons. You've been fighting the symptoms. You've been fighting this. And you've conquered every one of them. But their ruler, amen, has been held at bay by a stone. And Jesus is the stone that the builders rejected. But Life Church, you have come to a place where Yeshua is about to bring out the kings, amen, that's been sparking all the minions. Somebody receive that word right now. And he said, bring them out. Bring all of them out. Bring out the five kings. Do you know the number five is the number of grace. Bring out all five of them because you're about to see the grace of God manifested in your life. Bring them out. How many senses do we have? Five. What are they smelling, seeing, tasting, feeling, and tasting? The kings that rule our life sometime. And we may have all their little minions killed. Did I say that right? <laughs> Amen. I probably said taste twice because that's my favorite one. 
Oh, God, I wish I could just preach this like I've been feeling it. But your kings are being brought out. And with this new revelation, you haven't been ready to conquer your kings because you've been too busy fighting in the field. But now Yeshua has brought them out of the cave. And that's in the hidden recesses of your mind. And he's thrown them on the ground. And you're just standing there. Oh, you're just standing there. Are you listening to me? And he tells the commanders, now, come on. I need an ally. I need you to partner with me on what I'm about to do in your life. And all I need you to do is put your foot and you shall tread on. All I need to put your foot on your neck. Now can you imagine these are warriors standing there and there is a ruling king on the ground under your foot. Oh, somebody get in this story with me. He's under your foot. The problem with it is he's under your foot, but he's still alive. He's still wiggling. (laughs) You're still a little intimidated. Oh, my God, I'm going to help you. Amen. You still are saying, oh, my God, this here is the big boy. This is the giant. Amen. But God is just saying, I just need you to partner with me. Don't worry about it. You're not going to have to kill it. Because Joshua said, but I do need your faith to get your foot on the neck. I'm preaching to somebody right now that for a long time, your foot has been on its neck, but it's still been alive. Oh, you can't say nothing, but I'm going to preach it. You, he's, But it's still been alive. And you're sitting there kind of struggling to keep that thing. Your own doubt has been under your foot, but at least it ain't controlling you, but it's still alive. I said, at least it ain't dominating you, but it's still alive. And you're standing there. Uh, am, I, am I talking to anybody in this place beside me? And, amen. And, and, and Joshua's saying, I needed you to do this as an illustrated message. I could have just wiped them out for you. But I needed you to partner with me so I could teach you that what you see happening right now is what I'm going to begin to do to all of your enemy. I need somebody, if you believe what I'm preaching, to high-five your neighbor and tell them it's over. It's over. Come on, somebody. Tell them it's over. It's over. I had to put my foot on it before by faith. I was struggling with my doubt, but I kept my foot on it. I was struggling with insecurity, but I kept my foot on it, even when I didn't know how it was going to turn out. But Yeshua is standing there with a sword in his hand, and he's about to smoke. Oh, I'm prophesying. I ain't preaching. I'm prophesying. Tell your neighbor, keep your foot on it. I'm going to give you power. I give you, oh, I don't know if I can. Jesus said, I give you the capacity. I give you the right. I give you the privilege. Somebody help me preach this, Dad Gummit. <laughs> I give you the power to tread on it. You can't do it on your own. Amen. And just when you realize, Amen. Some of you've been in a position where I'm scared to take my foot off of it. I can't afford to take somebody help me. I can't afford to take my foot off of it. I'm just struggling to stay in control. Oh, y'all can't say nothing, but I'm preaching. I'm just struggling to stay in control. But God is standing there just saying, I I just need an earthly ally. I just need you by faith to know I'm standing here. And Joshua Lamar, Michael Turner, I don't even expect you to kill it. Because Yeshua is going to behead this thing for you. And the Bible says Joshua took them and he hung them on a tree. I don't know if y'all with me or not. He took those kings and hung them on a tree. Joshua, the son of Nun of the Old Testament, hung them on a tree. But Joshua, the son of God, hung your sin on a tree. He hung your doubt on a tree. He hung your sickness on a tree. He defeated it for you. Somebody get on your feet right now and shout. Shout. Believe! It's yours, Taylor! It's yours! You don't do it! It's my grace! Somebody shout inflection point. (laughs) Inflection point. So you see, the only work 
is you've putting your foot on what Yeshua done conquered. And you know what I'm learning, Michael Turner? This will help you because you're worse than me. You're uglier than me, and you're worse than me. My biggest battle is here. And just getting my own mind under my foot. Somebody help me. What's it mean to tread on? It means to string a bow. It means, actually, it's, a, it's an emblem of conquest. That I'm not the one conquering. I'm just the one dispossessing an old mindset. I'm partnering with what God has already done. Is this working, Dina? Is it working? Is it working, y'all? Is it really working? Is it really making sense? I'm tired of preaching stuff that don't make sense. And faith is so hard to get a hold to because it's so simple. I was a drunk losing my family. Walked in a revival service one night and I didn't get saved because I love God. I got saved because I love my wife and she's leaving. I'm just being real. I don't think none of y'all got saved because you love God. I don't believe that story. And he didn't require I do anything but kneel and repent. And I got up and I started walking out what he did in my life that night. So if it begun in the spirit, how can I try to perfect it in the flesh? <laughs> he said, all I need is your feet. All I need is your feet. All I need is put your foot on it. In faith that that belongs to you. Well, I started reading my inheritance a little closer, and I found out I inherited a whole lot of stuff from Jesus. And then I got to looking, and the enemy's living on my inheritance. And I so believe it's mine that it's got me walking up, fluky, testimony, like with my title deed saying, you got to go. I'm not walking up saying, God, would you give me this piece of property? I'm now walking up and saying, devil, you got to go. Not because of what I've done, but the Lord told me he gave me that spot. Am I making sense to anybody? Somebody say inflection. And a lot of us just believing. Jesus. You mean, but, you know, I, I'm struggling with, I was addicted to this and pornography and cocaine and I don't even know if cocaine's a thing anymore. Meth or marijuana. I was addicted to all that and and, and my flesh says I'm still addicted, but my belief system says God's already won that battle. And so I'm going to walk by what I believe instead of what my body says. Come on, can I break it on down to where you are? And when I do that, it's me putting my foot on the neck of a passion that's not dead yet. <laughs> of a faulty way of thinking. It's a scorpion. It's a serpent and a scorpion, amen, which twisted my, the way I see things. It's twisted the way I see things, and it has pierced my mind. It's pierced my heart. It has pierced my spirit. That's what the scorpion and the snake is. But he said, I give you the capacity to tread on that dude. I give you the capacity to stand on it. Some of you are right here. Can y'all see that? Can you see it, Canaan? If you get it, anybody can. You with me? <laughs> can you see how awkward that might have felt? To stand on the neck of something that's intimidated you for years. It, it, these were the kings of the Amorites. And history teaches us that the Amorites were blonde-headed, blue-eyed, had an eagle nose, and were giants. They found inscriptions of them. I mean, that was weird looking for that part of the country. Blonde-haired, light eyes, light hair, a big old hook nose, and they were like giants. Their king slept in a bed that was 12 foot long and 6 feet wide. And they're standing on his neck. 
it could have been awkward at first, but they stood there because Yeshua was standing there saying, I'm just giving you an illustrated message. I needed you to partner with this because there's going to be more come. Are you following me? I needed you to partner with this because this is what I'm going to begin to do to all your enemy. And Joshua walked up and went to, he went to work. He went to work so you could rest. Stand with me. I can't, I can't teach it no plainer. Listen to me. Sister Griffin, we're about to take our inheritance, but we weren't ready to take it till we got this doctrine. Because if we'd have took it by the law, there'd have been a sense of pride of something we'd done, not what he'd done. He's already done it, and now there is a grace. And us in these Pentecostal churches and these spirit-filled churches of ours, we've staked everything on a feeling and emotion, and it's robbed us of believing. Do I believe the true belief will stir up feeling and emotion? Absolutely. Anybody excited over something, they put emotion in. There's no doubt about that. But we've got it all backwards. I don't have to feel a thing. I just have to believe a thing. And then I got to stand on that thing's neck, meaning I got to conquer that thing. I got to subdue that minion. I got to subdue that thing in partnership with God and know that Yeshua is going to finish this work. That religious bunch said to Jesus, y'all still with me? That religious bunch said to Jesus, what must we do to work the works of God? Plural. The works. And Jesus says, this is the singular work. Believe. We're so wrapped up with the plurality of works, and Jesus is trying to bring it back to one work. You believe. I'm not ready to go to work until that work is established. As the foundation upon which I stand. I told you today I came to prophesy I came to prophesy that we here at Live Church, and I'm trying to keep my mind off any other church right now, but it's corporate. We're at an inflection point, and so are you. You can only make the change when you get another degree of revelation. Has anybody made, has anybody received a greater degree of revelation this morning? Have you received a greater degree of revelation this morning? Okay. On that revelation is where we make our turn to go into a dimension. The law could not inherit the promises. But the dispensation of grace inherited the promises. But grace will always partner with faith. And it requires you put your foot on it. Put your foot on it. So now... Before I pray for you, I want you to look at Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 1 and 2. He'll, he'll pull it up for you. It said, let us be afraid, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, that you come short of it. Only thing I want you to be afraid of is you're going to miss out on all God has for you. That's the only legal fear. I'm so afraid I'm going to miss out something. It's got me diligently searching. Let us be afraid lest, lest we come short of it. For look at verse number two. For unto us was the gospel preached. Did I just preach it? For unto us was the good news preached as well as unto them. Here it is. But the word preached, it didn't do them a bit of good. Why? They didn't ally their faith with God. And I declare over you that I've been on my face seeking God for the direction of life, church, and I'm sick of having church without kingdom power. I, I feel you, sis. You got something burning. Get a mic ready. Listen to me. But I'm telling you, 
You've defeated a lot of minions, but God's about to give you the kings. Those things that's been ruling in your mind. Thank you for listening to this Life Church podcast. 